bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits well, a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. It is Friday, February 16th. 2022. So I've been thinking kind of the same theme all week. I've been thinking kind of the same thing. Like, why is the city the way that it is? And I've been giving that a lot of thought, and I've been talking about in recent weeks, recent months, that The civil rights movement, the all all these right, all these things that have happened over time, and times have changed, and the '60s, and drugs, and Vietnam, and all this, and we came through. So the reason it's like this is because of this, and all that, right? And then I had an epiphany because I heard a statement made, and I forget where it came from. So my apologies, but I have a bit of a rendition on it. But I now understand why the city is out of control. I understand why we have a generation of people who seemingly don't want to do anything, a generation where people don't want to pass anything on, right? I mean, baby boomer, silent generation, baby boomer, Gen X, millennial, and Gen Z, who, for all intent and purpose, are many baby boomers, right? I was listening to an audio book and it clicked and it explained why people are the way they are. And when I started to look, and I was also listening to an audio book that talked about, um, if you're familiar with finance, you know who the Brown Brothers Harriman are? It's a huge... Um, Financial firm on Wall Street, you know, like Goldman Sachs and all that. Lehman Brothers who went out of business and all that. But I used to wonder, like, how did the Fords pass money on from generation to generation to generation to generation 
and keep it moving. How did the Rockefellers have 15 different generations all over and sub What's a subgeneration? A, you know, um, you know, first and second and third cousins. But once a year, the whole family comes together and they figure out who's going to handle what and do what throughout the entire world as it relates to their money, how they're going to pass it on to other generations. But in the 70s and 80s, we made it. We benefited from civil rights. We benefited. We went to school. We went to law school. We still got people complaining that Harvard is putting in, you know, they're putting black and brown people in and they're not letting Asian people in. You know, we're still telling that story, whether it's true or not. We're still telling that story. But then it dawned on me. There's only run one reason why the city is the way it is. There were hard times in the from slavery till the 1960s and 70s. And in the 60s and 70s, people started to work and understood what labor was about, what education was about. And those hard times created strong men. And those strong men made sure their families, their wives, their children, their cousins, their nieces, their nephews, their brothers, their sisters were taken care of, went to school, took care of the neighborhood, took care of the family. And that begot easy times. So when you hear about people working in the 80s and 90s and working at, at A.L. Smith and working at Miller and working at all these companies around the city and state, um, what's the other manufacturer that makes the engines, Right. All these places, Johnson Controls, Rockwell, Northwestern Mutual, all these companies um, that, that make Briggs & Stratton, all these companies that make great things through the late 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that's where we became middle class and created easy times. But what we found in the late 90s, 2000s, 2000s, 2010s, that easy times create weak men. And so because you have it easy, hey, that's where we got helicopter parents from. And now we have lawnmower parents. Forget the helicopter where I tell you where to go or where the bump is smaller. We got lawnmower parents where they mow, where they just move stuff out your way, where everything is smooth. And that's what created weak men and women. And so now we have a conundrum in the community. There are no hard times in a community. I mean, if you really, really want to look at hard times, having electric and gas and a big screen TV in a car and living in poverty is not my idea of poverty. No car, one TV, the other TV needed a hanger for the antenna, and that was it. We didn't have a car. We took public transportation everywhere. So what do I leave you with? Something to remember as you're raising your children, 
as you're raising your family, some of the things that you do will have a detrimental effect on the future of this city. So what we're living in now, the recession, what we're living in now, high prices, what we're living in now, high interest rates, what we're living in now, too much money to buy a house, buy a car, when electric cars are averaging like forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, but yet we're putting in, we're spending seventy-eight million dollars to put in uh, electric terminals to charge a car that nobody in the city can afford. We're in a time where men are weak. So the easiest way to say all of this is that hard times create strong men, strong men create easy times, easy times create weak men. And weak men is what we have today. And that brought about hard times. And that is Dr. Ken's truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon, 833-212-1017 is the number. I think that one of the reasons, what we talked about before the break, is one of the reasons why we're having issues in every city around America is that we don't let struggle happen. We make life too easy. And so I struggled. And so I have to live this out every day. I had hard times. It created a strong man, but then it created easy times for my daughters. And so in that case, I had to make sure there were bumps in the road that they saw, that other people saw and knew, oh, wow, that's a struggle. Y'all got to figure out how to pay for school, how to pay for college, got to do this, have conversations so that they didn't think everything just happened. No, you didn't just happen to go to college and get it paid for. You happened to go to college and get it paid for because we had to sit down and plan and and move money around and do all sorts of things and make sure it got paid for and it got paid for and you don't have any debt. I think in that case, my creating an easy time won't create a weak child. But a lot of suburban kids that have never really known a bump in the road, that's why they implode. That's why COVID caused them to implode and struggle. And we have to remember that. Easy times create weak children, weak people, weak men. We just expect things to happen without you know much work. I went to this school and I did this, got this degree or got this, so-and-so's my cousin, I should be able to, yeah, okay. But when you're weak and you don't take care of your business and things around you fall apart, it creates hard times. It creates that struggle. 
Now, the anomalies are rich families that stay rich, right? And poor families that stay poor. But a perfect example of this, hard times create strong men, strong men create easy times, easy times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. The Kennedy family. Struggle comes to a country, becomes a robber baron. People ship things from Europe to come over here. You send ships out, become a pirate, take it, turn around, come back, roll up. It's yours. You sell it. You make the money. That created easy times. But if you know anything about the Kennedy family, it also created weak men. Each one of them had their issues. Bobby, John F., Teddy, it ended up creating weak men, which in turn created hard times for anybody with the last name of Kennedy. That was actually part of the Kennedy family. And now they have to circle back and you've got a generation or two that has to be skipped so that through the struggle, they can recreate strong men. And it's that gap we're in now, that hustle part. Where are you? 833-212-1017. I know where I am. My hard time. I was in the easy time. I think I'm, I'm kind of in the easy time, but I think I, I'm blessed enough to have created recreated strong daughters. So their struggle won't be as significant as mine. And I think that's something you have to mitigate. Otherwise, you'll never make it. It'll be too tough. It'll be too tough. But that's just me. 833-212-1017 is the number. So, here's the deal. On another note, people sending me texts directly now. Hey, this is what I think about. Hit me on the talking text line. Do you consider yourself a winner or an underdog? Yeah, I know we, 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 we talk about hard times and creating strong men and all that stuff. But do you consider yourself an underdog or do you consider yourself a winner? Because I always consider myself one or the other. But at this point in my life, in this point in your life, I would like to know what do you consider yourself? Is life tough for you and you're making it? Or are you content with where you are? Or is there something in you that's driving you to do more? Driving you to become more. And the reason I say that, who, who was it that, 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 that hit us yesterday? Was it Derek? Or somebody who said they were 69 years old? And that, you know, I gave them something to, to think about. And, and I've been thinking about that the entire 22 hours that I was away. Like from yesterday, 
I, I, I was thinking about, is 69 too old? And then I got a phone call from a friend of mine who has got to be 75 easy. Easy 75. And going gangbusters. And so I asked him, I said, so I don't, why, 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 why do you keep going? And he intimated something to me about Michael Jordan. And he said, one of the reasons why Michael Jordan was great is because he got cut. He did not, well, no, he didn't get cut. He wasn't included as a starter on his high school basketball team when he was a sophomore. So he thought he was going to be able to come in and start because he was really good. And the coach said, this is my starting team. It's not that he got dissed, but you you play in the, they, they still call it frost off or what do they call it, junior varsity, whatever. You, you, you get to play down there. This is varsity. They play up here. And he didn't get picked. And it made him so mad that he worked twice as hard. His entire life he spent offsetting what that coach said to him. And it fueled him. And so from that point forward, because he had to work so hard to become great, right, to, to, to win, he considered himself an underdog. And he always, always put himself in a position where it was the hardest, where he had to work the hardest in order to win, and he won. Now, did he win at baseball? No, he didn't win at baseball. He put himself as an underdog, and he stunk up the joint. But did he try? Yes. Did he fail? Yes, and moved on, went right back to basketball. But the thing we have to remember is that when you're a winner, is that the one and then you're done? He did a three-peat twice. I don't think any other team has ever done that. To win, leave, come back and win again three? Come on now. And so I think what we miss is when he gave his speech, when he went into the NBA Hall of Fame, people complained because he brought the guy that went varsity and he didn't from high school. And he gave a speech and people took it as being unprofessional. It's a tirade and he's slamming these people. But what he was trying to let you know is that he was thanking that guy for going to varsity and him not because that's what gave him the motivation and the drive because he was the underdog. So to win in life, you got to put yourself in a position where you're the underdog, where you will scrap and fight and grow in order to become great. And whenever you win, ta-da, I'm number one, you have to find that next thing that makes you the underdog so that you can recreate yourself great. And that's what most people don't do. They hit a point in their life, and then they just shut down. Okay, I won. I got the money. I got the house. I got the car. I got the wife. I got the husband. I got the, I'm good. Not realizing complacency kills. So when people always tease me, oh, you work everywhere. Well, you do this and do that. I said, one of the reasons I do it is because I have to find that next underdog position. Working at the new 1017 The Truth, 
at the time was the underdog position. You're going to go in with a group of people you don't know. You know one person, and you're going to start at the bottom, and you're going to work your way up as the underdog. And constantly create and constantly build and constantly move until you create this thing. But it's not about me. It's about everybody else. I run so you can shine. That's how it goes. That's why the morning show with Mel and DZ is the number one morning show in the state of Wisconsin. Why is that? Underdog. And when you win, you have to find the next thing that makes you an underdog. And you have to consciously step into it, knowing you're in last place, to be motivated to win again. We already know easy doesn't work. When we come back, we'll hit the talk and text line. I got so much, so much stuff to talk about. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. One call, that's all. One call, that's all is right. Now's your chance to be entered in to win the one call, that's all 5K giveaway winner. Yeah, that's right. $5,000. Be caller number three right now. Be entered in. For a chance to win $5,000. Remember, if you or a loved one has ever been injured in an accident, give Gruber Law Offices a call now. One call, that's all. Caller number 3-833-212-1017 is the number. Win this money because now you will be eligible for the one call, that's all giveaway. We'll be pulling that on the 30th of September during the Sherwin Hughes Show and you can come check it out. For official contest rules, visit 1017thetruth.com. Be caller number three now, 833-212-1017 to win $5,000 from the one call, that's all, 5K giveaway. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. Want to say congratulations to Brandis, 5K qualifier for the one call. That's all 5K giveaway. That'll be coming up September 30th on the Sherwin Hughes show. Uh, I got to try to talk. I got to try to talk like Sherwin Hughes. And my name is Sherwin. He mocks me all the time. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Sound like a white nerd. What's up with that? I do not sound like a white nerd. Sound like a black nerd. (laughs) At least I admit it. Hey, I am self-aware. 833-212-1017 is the number. Before I get to the talk and text, Brian, from Milwaukee, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. Yeah, how you doing, Dr. Ken? Love your show. Thank you, sir. I think you missed... I think you missed a part of the Michael Jordan thing. I always wanted to tell somebody this. What's that? Um, Michael Jordan was such a narcissist that when any of his players that played with him would fail, would either miss a shot or wouldn't get a pass or something like that, 
he was supremely angry at them all the time because he was supremely confident in in them at the same time. Right. When they had the ball to hit a shot, he always thought they were going to win. They were going to make the shot because he had supreme confidence in it. So when he, they faltered, that's why he was such a bad teammate as far as, you know, socially, because he was always angry that he had, that he failed himself. So when his teammates failed, he thought he failed first. Do you think you that team? Do you think that team would have won without Michael Jordan there? Absolutely not. Okay. So, Absolutely so not. clearly, you needed, everything you he did. Of, right. Right. Go ahead. Everything he did was based on what he believed in, and sometimes you need narcissists like that if you want to be continuously successful. That's I mean, you look at the, those teams, and mm-hmm. those were moderate players, with the exception of Pippen and maybe a couple more. But those are average players. And the fact that he made Bill Winnington look like a hero and Steve Kerr look like a hero and and even, well, Dennis Rodman was a star too. But, but is, that, is that narcissism or is that leadership? That's supreme, supreme narcissism and supreme nah, confidence. I say no. I say no. Well, it's, it's leadership. Because, you can because, call it leadership well, at the end well, result. because being a narcissist means everything is about me. Everything should come to me. I am the one. I am the right. Otherwise, he'd never pass the ball. When Steve well, Kerr got well, hot, just call it. when Steve Kerr got hot, Michael Jordan backed up. When Bill Paxson got hot, Michael Jordan backed up. Why am I gonna use me when he's on fire? That's how they won Game Five, Game Six. Exactly. So but see, Michael Jordan at the same time was thinking that they made it because I believed in them. Of that's course. That's what it was. That's what a, that's what a team captain is for. He believed they would hit the shot. That's what a team captain yeah. is for. I would not pass you the ball yeah. if I did not think you were going to do it. That, in turn, transfers exactly. to making you feel like you can do it. That was his job. Yeah. That's why they paid him. Now, you also realize Michael Jordan was one of the lowest paid people on the team because he only made, well, Pippen was for a minute, but he made $3 million, but they let him do endorsements that no other NBA player could do, and that's how he became a billionaire. Yeah, well, Jordan was never sweating the money. Right. It was, it was, it was, the, it was the, uh, the, the crutch he had of losing. Correct. The man just hated to lose. Correct. At any cost, he hated to lose. Correct. And that's why he bet so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that other part that nobody talks about. He lost about. a lot in his bets. Too. Yes, sir, he did. That's why he had to keep playing. Well, he got a lot of people around him that 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 rein him in a lot too. That's right. Because, and, and, uh, and that's one of the things. Um, who was it that went with um, what's his name? The crazy one with the purple hair and all that. And Rodman, didn't Rodman. Rodman. Who was it that went with Rodman to make sure Rodman would get back? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who that was. So whoever was on the team took him wherever he wanted to go. It might have been Scottie Pippen. Took him everywhere he wanted to go. So what happened is they would get mad that he wasn't at practice or he wasn't at – but their coach said he has his way of learning. As long as he's here for the game and he plays, he stayed up all night, gambled all night, drank all night, came back and had like a triple-double. Because yeah, that's a rare person. You have to you have to let that person be them, so that when they hit the court, they're one hundred and ten percent. And once you find that out about people and let them find their way, oh my gosh, you 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 can win anything, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Doctor Ken. All right, brother. Take care.
833-212-1017. Wayne on the talking text line, Dr. Ken, I don't think your comments about struggles are wrong. What I would add is that America has always expected black and brown people to struggle. I think the picture has been painted that all we do is struggle. So I'm in agreement, but I'm going to take it a, a, a little a little step further and say they look at black people and just automatically think they're struggling. It seems to me. I could be wrong. He also adds, when it comes to the majority, once they find, you mean white people, right? Once they find struggle, there becomes a greater emphasis to ease their burden. Where your statement holds the most validity is that their burden is lifted. It creates a stronger sense of entitlement for everyone. I don't know if I agree with the entitlement because I don't think you need your burden lifted to become entitled. I think there are a lot of people that are struggling that feel entitled in that group of people you talk about. That there's a significant number of people that think by virtue of birth, by virtue of race, there are certain things that are mine that are entitled. Now, I will add, there are certain things that are assumed of being better and that when you create Got to find the right word. When you create a sense of not hatred, but just jealousy or intimidation in another person, they will do things to get rid of you. They will do things to move you out of the way. And it's happened to me multiple times. The beautiful thing about it is, one, it's expected. Two, it doesn't have any effect on me except to remind me I'm the underdog. And now I got to put myself in a position to win so that you have to call me because there's nobody else to call. Chris Jr. said Tom Brady is the greatest underdog. Okay, he's talking crazy now, so I'm going to just skip past him. 88s and heartbreaks said complacency kills. It most certainly does. But what does it kill? I think it kills your spirit. It's that doing everything all the time and expecting a different result, thinking life going to change and it don't. And then you wonder why. Like everybody, black, white, Hispanic or Asian should wake up tomorrow morning, look in the mirror, and say, I have met the enemy, and it is us. Because your greatest enemy is actually you. It's unfortunate. Talking text line, would you rather be Would you rather be top dog or underdog? I'd rather be underdog. I'd rather be underdog so I can fight, test my mettle, see if I win. Not afraid to not win. Not afraid to lose. Makes me stronger. Keep moving forward. Keep building. That's just me. 
every time I've been able to overcome something and grow and be something better, it's because I put myself in a position where I was the underdog. I knowingly went in as the underdog, and then I was able to win. I don't have to be top dog to be not underdog. Does that make sense? I work by my goal, work by my standard, and then I'm done. And I don't compare myself to other people. I don't want other people's jobs. I don't want other people's way of life. I want mine, which means I have to work. It's about the goal, right? Different path, same goal. 833-212-1017 is the number. Al, before we go to break from Milwaukee, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. Hey, Dr. Ken, you had me thinking about uh, whether or not you think Trump suffers from that kind of syndrome where he thinks he's the underdog and he knows he's hated. So he goes out and tackles all these, I don't know, different challenges (laughs) um, to kind of prove, in a sense, that he will come out on top. Um, no, I think he suffers from what kids who are on social media suffer from where you don't get enough likes and you don't get enough and you don't get your dopamine hit. And so you become depressed. And so you then do something that's over the top that causes people to give you the attention that you crave. Hmm. He's, 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 he's done it on TV shows. He's done it in New York as a builder. He's done it as president. He did it as a um, as a as a presidential candidate, and now he did it as a past president. When I'm out the when I'm out the limelight, when I'm off of Twitter, you're talking about a man that created his own social media so that people could feed him. I don't know if he did it that way because I don't think his social media platform is that popular. But I it do most think cer- it most a- okay. All right. Again, it's not popular with think- you, but it doesn't mean it's not popular. I, I do. I do think that because he hung around Don King, Don King was one of his best friends. I do think he picked up a little bit of that showmanship that Muhammad Ali, Don King, bravado. Okay. And I see that in many of his actions. I don't know. What do you think of Don King? I think Don King was a consummate um, professional, a consummate showman, and understood marketing before other people really understood marketing. He understood the human psyche. He understood what drove people to do things and say things. And so he, he was able to create the, the, the animosity between boxers so that they would get in the ring and kill each other. Okay. So I was thinking, just knowing some of Trump's background with his father being a businessman and his mother being a uh, theater aficionado. But do you know how his I father treated him? His father treated him like garbage. Oh, yeah, but sometimes... You know, the military treats you like garbage, but sometimes it's the best motivator. Correct. Struggle. Make it struggle. It kind of breaks your uh, entitlement um, sensibilities, kind of humbles you in a sense. And I'm not saying just because 
Trump has bravado that he's not humble in some areas. I, I think if you got him in a room by himself, he's probably sitting there pretty quiet. But the minute, you know, cameras and audiences are there, then he becomes a Trumpster. He becomes himself. <laughs> no, I don't think he's. No, I don't think he's always like that. Because you know, I've, I've seen some people who you would think, because of their public persona, that they're always on. But when you meet them in person, they're pretty, pretty calm and almost like a wallflower. Right. Kind of shy away from right. the yep. attention when they're not, not on. An extroverted so, introvert right. sounds familiar. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this is picking your brain. All right, sir. All right. Have a good day. You too. This is the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. I want to remind you that you still have time to sign up for the Black-Owned Business Giveback. Sponsored by 1017 The Truth and Associated Bank. Don't stop trying. Because we don't know whether or not we got 10 or not. But that's what we're doing. First 10 businesses to sign up at blackbusinessgiveback.com. If you're selected, you win $2,000 worth of commercial advertising on The Truth. So. Go to blackbusinessgiveback.com to be eligible. You have to be in business for at least a year and in Milwaukee County. Black Business Giveback is sponsored by 1017 The Truth and Associated Bank member FDIC. We also want to tell them thank you for being a founding partner of the new 1017 The Truth. Together, we're committed to uplifting local organizations and supporting, like you heard, with Black Business Giveback, black-owned businesses. So whatever your financial needs are, Associated Bank can help Member FDIC. Are you excited? Because we're excited. Because we be moving. We be moving. We be moving. So next week, we get to roll up. I think Tuesday, we'll be rolling up in the new spot. You get to come down to the Ave and check us out and look in the window and be like, hey, there's Dr. Ken and DZ and Mel and Sherwin and... Tory Lowe. So, speaking of Tory Lowe, he'll be coming up at 6 o'clock and at 7 o'clock. We got football. And um, I think it'll be great. So, make sure you stay right here, locked in on the new 1017 The Truth. And if you miss it, download the Truth app and uh, stream us. Check it out all weekend long. We'll be around. 833-212-1017. Before we go to the phones, Black Conscience said, you also should tell yourself, I am the one I've been waiting for. Absolutely. That's what I was talking about yesterday. You got to encourage yourself. You got to pat yourself on the back. You got to tell yourself you can make it. There are just some things in life that the only thing you can do on your own. There are, there, you know, there are, there are things in life that you can you know, go through and be and deal with and, and you know, handle. But the only two things that you do on your own and can't nobody do it for you, that's to live and die. Everything in between is the dash that counts. 833-212-1017. Melody, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. 
Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I consider that I made it. I was raised in, I'm 65, full disclosure. Okay. I was raised on the north side, and uh, that's when, you know, my mom left my dad, and there was no laws as far as taking a percent of the, the check, whatever was left over. So if the person showed a high uh, debt ratio, the man, you got twos and fews, and so that's before food stamps, so you got army rations. Uh, shoveled coal, and we had the landlord living with us so we could afford the place on 33rd. But And the electric bill would go off on the first of the month. My mom would say, run like a bunny, three blocks up to the mailman. Can I have the check early? Run the coals, cash it, get the mob bill and the electric company. And I moved out after when I was 16, and I was lucky enough. I got uh, I worked downtown, and I had I was always employed. I was never unemployed, never got unemployment. And the fact of the matter is, my grandkids... Okay, so hang on. Melody, Melody, let let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm not challenging you. I'm asking because I I wonder. Why is it saying that you were never on unemployment? Why does that matter? Because I worked. I never left a job without having another job. But does unemployment... So it sounds like unemployment is a bad thing? No, I'm just proud of the fact that I was lucky enough and I was driven. I never left a job without having another one. So, sir. are you saying that other people are not I'm... driven because they're they're on uh, that they get unemployment? No, okay. no, no. But that's how I was raised. Well, we were all told there was nine of us who had to work, and that was a the work ethics. It was unheard of not to work. And I'm just saying, fast forward, my son is doing great. I paid for my granddaughter's tuition last year for vet tech. And uh, which is, and you always contri- continue. And with my grandkids, I took them on a bus ride. They thought it was unheard of to have to go on a bus. And I took my granddaughter to the laundromat. So, yeah, I think I really made it. And I hope others can do that. But it was in a time where manufacturing jobs were fluent and you basically just needed warm bodies. So Correct. it was a golden era for that, sir. So, I, you know, I had a GED, but I was able to make it, got a good pension. And I feel good. I got life insurance policy for my kids. Go figure. You know what I mean? All right. Well, thank so, you. Uh, you're welcome, sir. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. 833-212-1017 is the number. A few things that everybody does, right? We make the assumption that this is my world and this is how it happens. So, therefore, if you don't do that, you know, it 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 kind of sounded like, you know, well, if you don't have it like me or if you were on, you know, unemployment, what if you got fired? What if you got sick or got laid off and needed unemployment? It's not a bad thing. I think it's great that you were able to work and that you were privileged enough to find a job. And I say that about everybody. This, this, I, don't, I, don't, I don't assign privilege to just white people. If you're privileged enough to know enough people who can connect you, hey, God bless you. Go for it. But I got to go back to what Black Conscience said. You should also tell yourself, I'm the one I've been waiting for. Got to pick yourself up. Or let go of the ego and have other people help you up. Because that's where it usually happens. A lot of times people don't make it because, you know, they can't make it and you need other people to help. And I know because I struggle with that. People helping me. But I know eventually I'm going to need help. And I'm going to have to allow other people 
to bless me the way I did other people. And that's difficult. That's a hard thing to talk about. After the news, when we come back, I think I'm going to beat up DZ this week and see if he can answer some questions and he can go in 0-5. I just don't know about what yet.